Hey, running friends, Wrinkled Runner here. Today in our podcast, we are going to continue in our Start to Run Basics series. And I'm going to talk about running terms that you will be hearing as you start to get more involved in the running world. As you know, anything that we do in life has its own language. I do some sewing, so I know what a dart is. I can picture what a ham, a notch, and a point turner are. If you cook a lot, you know how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon, which is three, by the way. And you know what a microplane is. Running is the same. There are terms that those of us who run just know, and sometimes we forget that if you're just beginning, some of the lingo may not be something that you have ever heard before just like when we were beginners and had to Google DNS or splits. So I'll be covering a lot of the terms that I didn't know when I first started, but since my experience is different than anyone else's, you may have some words that you have heard about running that you don't know. So if there's something out there that you'd like more information on, I'll try to clarify it for you if you just shoot me an email or send me a message. I did a post on this on the Wrinkled Runner website last month. So I'll put a link in the show notes for you to refer to, and that way you, you'll have that list with the definitions all written out if you'd like. One note about running workouts. I know there are terms that runners don't know is when you, they're first starting out, like a tempo run or a fart lick, but I'll be covering those in more detail in another podcast coming up in March. So I'm not including workout terms in this podcast, but you'll find a link to a Wrinkled Runner blog post that I did on it down below if you'd like to check that out. Okay, so the terms are in alphabetical order and let's just jump in. The term bandit is our first word and this is not a good word for runners and most of us frown on this practice. And this is a runner who runs a race without registering, therefore they didn't pay. They have no bib or time chip, or they may have a fake bib. Sometimes runners will have registered and they swap bibs with someone who is faster than them, so the chip associated with their name registers the time of the faster runner. This might be used in the case of someone who wants to qualify for a marathon or another race and have, a, have it show as a faster time. The person running the race to get a faster time for someone else is a bib mule. And sometimes people will buy a bib from someone else and run the race. And if the person who sold the bib takes advantage of the race time because the bib will still be under the name of the person that sold it. That is also a bad thing. This is not a typical occurrence and most runners are racing against themselves and don't even think about cheating, but some do. So if you've just started running and want to train for a race, you have probably heard someone say you need a good base. Your base is the average number of miles per week that you run when you've been running for, well, longer than a week. If you are running for 10 miles a week, say, and you want to run a marathon, you would start to add 10% more mileage a week to get to a larger base before training for that marathon. So the next word is BQ, and that stands for Boston Qualifier. For a lot of marathons, including Boston, which is the ultimate marathon for a lot of people, you are not able to just sign up. 
you have to run a different marathon that counts as a qualifier for the marathon you want to run. And those are divided up into age groups and gender. So they'll have male and say 50 to 54 or female 50 to 54, and they'll give you a time that you have to run a previous marathon in that time before you can qualify for certain marathons. For example, when I wanted to run Chicago, I was able to use my Buffalo Marathon time to qualify and sign up for guaranteed entry. Before the lottery, which is a different system, if you don't qualify for a marathon, you can enter your name and then they will have a lottery and then draw names and then you're able to sign up for that marathon if they draw your name. A Boston qualifier is one of the hardest to achieve and therefore it's a goal for many a marathon runner, including me, even if they have no intention of running it, a lot of runners want to be able to say they have a BQ. A chip is a tracker. It's usually for your shoe or your bib when you're running a race. And that starts, chip time starts when you cross the start line and ends when you cross the finish line. It's an accurate time for you personally. Again, when I ran Chicago with 48,000 other people, it took me about eight minutes to get to the start line from where I was in the corral. So if the race had been judged in clock time, my finishing time would have been eight minutes slower because it would have included the time it took me to get to the start line. Clock time or gun time is the exact time the race starts no matter where you are in the corral. So if you're further back before the starting line, if you were timed by clock time, then all the minutes and seconds it took you to get to the starting line would go towards your finishing time, which is generally considered not fair, which is why most races judge you by chip time. I've seen a few races though that only use clock time, and I think I saw one marathon recently that judged whether you qualified for guaranteed entry by the clock time. So the corral, which I talked about a little bit, is the area where you wait behind the start line before the race begins. It's usually divided into pacing times. So if you expect to run a marathon in four hours, you'd look for the four hour marker and that's where you would stand before the start of the marathon. If you want to use a pacer, which is a runner who runs to finish at a set time and then other runners follow them if they're trying to get that time, you'll find that person in the corral at the appropriate marker and they're usually holding a pole with the time that they plan to finish. Some races, like here in Buffalo where they're smaller, allow you to choose your own spot in the corral. Other larger races like in Chicago will assign you to a corral with a specific time for you to get there. And I keep talking about marathons, but in a lot of races, even in even 5Ks, they might have a corral with faster people in the front. A lot of it depends on how many people are running the race. Bigger races will have obviously a bigger area for people to stand in and will divide it more. Some races like our turkey trot, you can stand wherever you want. So if you start a race but do not finish it for whatever reason, you will have a DNF, which is did not finish. There's a bunch of different reasons why someone may not finish, including you get an injury during the race, you know that you aren't gonna hit your goal, and so you quit before the race finishes. 
Sometimes you can eat the wrong thing and get sick in the middle of the race. There are many reasons why people may not finish a race. In that case, you'll see on your time DNF. If you don't show up to a race that you were registered for, you get a DNS or did not start. Some runners just skip a race that they had previously signed up for, or sometimes they're injured, like a half marathon that I didn't go to because of a stress fracture. Sometimes training just doesn't go as planned and you know that you're not ready for that race. There's also many reasons, just like with a DNF, why someone may get a DNS. So when you run, your foot tends to hit the same spot every time it makes contact with the ground. So the next word is foot strike, and that's just where on your foot that is. You're either a heel striker, midfoot striker, or forefoot striker. Some runners try to change where they strike but for most of us, that won't be the case. We'll just always hit our foot at the same place every time. So a loop is a route or a race when you are running in somewhat of a circle, but you're starting and ending at the same place, but we won't cover the same areas. You won't turn around in the race. You'll just keep going until you end up back where you started. And out and back is when you run a race or training run out to a certain point, turn around, and run the same route back to the start. I find this pretty boring and don't often run out and backs unless I really have to. I like variety in my routes and so I run all over the place and I'm changing them up all the time. And some once in a while that has been not so great because I've actually had to walk for miles because I found myself in places that I thought I was gonna be close to home when I ended and definitely was not. Now my husband, he would run the same mileage and same route to get that mileage if he could. I don't let him because a lot of times we run together, but he is a type that if he doesn't get ready in the morning and he doesn't do it in the exact same order, then he's gonna forget to shave or forget to brush his teeth. So he likes his routines. So pace, which probably most of you know, is how many minutes and seconds it takes you to run a mile or kilometer. Most runners have an app on their phone or a fitness tracker or smartwatch, and that tells you what pace you are running. I can't imagine what it must have been like years ago when they didn't have all that stuff and they just used a stopwatch or a regular watch on a run, and that is way too mathy for me. I have a hard time figuring out if I'm running two miles and 0.25 when I have to turn around to make it if I'm going to run five and a half with a, with a walk. for It's just too, math, too much math for me. <laughs> so a PR or a PB are both saying the same thing. It's a personal record or a personal best, and it's what your individual fastest times are for races. Most runners like to have a PR or PB for every race that they run, but I'm finding that is getting more elusive for me as I get older. One of the things I love the day after a hard run is the recovery run. So it's an easy run, it shakes out your legs, it helps them to recover by getting the blood moving around. It can help with muscle soreness. Usually if I'm doing a recovery run at, after a longer run, I don't put in any type of goal. I don't put in the mileage that I'm trying to get to. I just kind of run to shake it out and when I'm kind of starting to feel more fatigued, I run back home then. So splits is a term to show how long it takes you to run a certain distance when there is more than one of the same thing. 
For example, if you run four miles, each mile time is a split. So example, 903, 910, 911, 925. Those are examples of splits. That's how long it took you to run a mile for those four miles. And a negative split is when you run the second half of a race or a run faster than the first half. So that's usually the goal and strategy for many racers. This negative split is why we try not to go out of the gate too fast. So if I'm running, a, say, a six-mile race, I want to run my first three miles slower than my second three miles. And so the faster second three miles then is a negative split. One site that I highly recommend for runners, both new and old, is runnersconnect.net. They have a saying that you should bank energy, not time, when running a race. And that phrase is basically talking about negative splitting, not going out too fast, not trying to put a lot of time into the first half of a race where you're going to expend all your energy and then crash and burn at the end. That is actually very hard to do though because of the adrenaline and just it, it's just something that we have to get over in our heads to not try and run as fast as we can when a race begins. A great word that comes at the end of training for a certain race is taper. It's a time at the end of training to run less mileage and rest your body so that you are fresh. There are different theories and methods of tapering, but for me, I like a lot of rest and lower mileage. Some runners get pretty cranky during the taper, but I usually do okay. And it's also a time, especially if you're running a marathon, that you carb load in the few days leading up to the race. Now in talking about racing, it might seem crazy that there are people out there who run longer than a marathon, but an ultra, which is the final word, is a race that is any distance over 26.2. So even if a race is 28 miles, that would be an ultra or 30 miles. There are actually races that are over 100 or 200 miles long. In the show notes, I'll add some interesting documentaries on ultra running. It's a lofty goal. And once you see these movies, uh, maybe it'll be a goal for you someday. I will say that older runners actually do very well with these ultras, women specifically. And they're held over the course of more than one day if they are really long. And you have a support team usually as well. It's just an interesting concept and one that I think I'd like to pursue over the next few years. Kind of a goal I have is to run at least one ultra before I hit 60. So there you have it, some definitions of running lingo. And I know a lot of it is race related. And if you're just starting to run, maybe that seems like, well, you don't really need to know that. But as you get into the sport more, there may be some races that you're interested in doing, even 5Ks or building up, or maybe you'll never race. There are some runners that never run a single race and that's great for them. I think I'm going to eventually end up having to stop running marathons and concentrate more on 5Ks and things like that. So check out the show notes for any links and information on any of the things I've talked about. You can send me an email if you have any running-related questions. Next time, I'll be talking about rest and recovery and how important that is to those who run. We just want to go out and go hard and go fast every single time. 
But the more I learn about the body and how it works, you come to realize it's an integral part of our training, that rest and that recovery. So thanks for listening, and I hope to see you on the run.